I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbach. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking Bat Books that came out December 1995. And you know what that means, Jason? That means you can go to your local comic store in December 1995, pick up these comic books, and then head on over to Electronics Boutique and pick up Donkey Kong Country 2 Diddy Kong's Quest for the Super <laughs> Nintendo. Brand new. Just came out. You know, I always immediately age myself whenever I tell people any younger than me than like more than five years when I tell them uh, before I bought a Switch that the last new console I ever bought was the first PlayStation. And I was like, the reason why, though, is because I was 16 years old. I had a job. And I saw a commercial for Final Fantasy VII, and I was like, fuck yes. And as soon as I could, <laughs> I, I went down to Electronics Boutique, and I bought a PlayStation and put a reservation for the game. And yeah. people like, as soon as I say Electronics Boutique, they're like, oh. oh you're okay. of a certain age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, I see a look on their face of like. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, about, about that, that age. We've been adding Amazon affiliate links. I just wanted to mention that again, just in case somebody didn't missed it or whatever. Uh, in the show's description, you will see Amazon affiliate links for everything we're talking about if it's been collected into trade. Some of those trades will be out of print, so they will be a little expensive. Uh, I don't, you know, it's a good way to support the pod, but if you want to really invest, you know, I would say buy stuff that's not out of print. And also, uh, visit your local comic shop before you buy anything from us. If you want to support the pod, you can click the links and we appreciate it. Also, this show is also on YouTube with a bunch of art. So if that's more your bag, you can go check it out there at uh, youtube.com slash Nick Phil. Jason, let's get into let's get into the real stuff. Let's get into the real pod now. Dig in. Let's dig in. Batman 526. Kelly Jones is off this month. But we still got a cover from him. Batman 526 is written by Doug Munch with art by J.H. Williams III, inks by Mick Gray, colors by Pat Garrity, uh, seps by Android Images, Todd Klein on letters, edited by Denny O'Neill with associate editor Jordan Gorfunkel. It's constant white water. Batman gets a new Batmobile. Also, just broke as an aside. Yeah. Did you feel like these issues were just like, we, we don't know, we need to do like housekeeping in, in the Bat family. And so we're just going to have like a bunch of issues of petty crime. You know, I honestly didn't think about it till right now, but yeah. Because yeah, they, like they introduced a new Batmobile in this one. And you would think that it would be like a big reveal, but it's just like, oh, he's just in the car driving around. <laughs> And you're like, oh, okay. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. anyway, anyway. It's constant white water. Batman gets a new Batmobile. It has an ejection seat that shoots him out of the top like the Arkham Asylum games. It's pretty sweet. Batman chases great. down a bank robber in it. He fights that dude. Uh, and after the hit he took, I'm not sure that bank robber still has teeth. <laughs> anyway. I, I just before, before you go too much further into your recap, I just wanted to say about the Batmobile. Uh, that panel of uh, close-up Batman with his hands clenched on the wheel 
and his yeah. jaw. Like when I saw yeah. it, I was just like, I just like, I just hung on it for a bit. Cause I'm like great art, but like just, you know, squared clenched jaw, clenched yeah, fist, yeah. Batman, yeah. like getting that's down comics, baby. Oh that's yeah. Comics, yeah. Baby. Hell yeah. I, I, I love it. I was like injected into my veins. So he subdues this guy, drops a flare by the car and speeds away in his new ride. Where is he going? To fight more petty crime. A break in at a convenience store warehouse, which Jason, I don't think this is a thing. This is definitely not a thing. It's a giant warehouse behind the convenience store. So like when people say, oh, I got to go check in the back. Like this is what they envision. This isn't real. This is comic books. It's not real. Yeah. Yeah. He dispatches the thugs, but one is in the other room in the convenience store with an employee uh, of the place. Batman hears them through the door and then decides to go through the door in order to knock down the employee, saving him from gunfire. Batman follows the gunman out of the shop, but the gunman's already in his car and getting away. Batman hops on the roof, punches out the window before the guy crashes the car, sending Batman flying. The gunman does gunman things like muttering and pointing his gun at the disoriented Batman. Batman decides instead of being shot at, he'll just punch him really hard in the head. He gets back to the cave and we get a big lore dump. The car is quote unquote running rough. And I don't know if you know this, but I think the car is a metaphor for the psyche of our Batman. Oh, he and Alfred start to work on it. Alfred said Bruce is in constant whitewater and he explains what constant whitewater is. I don't necessarily have to explain it because we know it as basically burnout nowadays. But I I guess at the time, constant whitewater was this idea, this new corporate idea about like people who were basically overworked, couldn't focus on any particular task for too long, couldn't couldn't follow through with their duties because they have too many duties, basically. Yeah, yeah. More poetic than burnout. I mean, more. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like. Constant Whitewater sounds a bit cooler, though. It, yeah. like, it sounds like, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a, um, a, a thriller 90s, like, straight to VHS movie, you know? Constant Whitewater. Yeah. This Christmas. Submit yeah. to the Constant Whitewater. Yeah, and you see some actor you haven't seen in ages, you're like, oh, he's still getting work. Good oh, it's still good for him. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Alfred's all like, Yo, dude, you got the Bat family. Use them and be excellent to each other. Batman's like, neat, and then goes back on his own, uh, out on his own anyway, snubbing Robin, who overheard the whole conversation. Alfred tried to go to Bat for him. Batman drives around, finds a mugging that he doesn't realize is fake, which leads him into a trap by people in masks, potentially being black mask connected, but we're not really sure. He gets in over his head. Tim Drake shows up, even though Bruce didn't want him there, and bails his ass out. Batman and Robin chat about their current dynamic. Robin likes the idea of being on a team, but also having solo careers. Maybe it'll help him from the rough, uh, from the rough waters that Dick Grayson went through before leaving and turning into Nightwing. The engine is running smooth. Batman has his team. The book is over. Jason, what'd you think of Batman 526? Honestly, I really dug it. I really like, yeah. you know, it was, it was like, and now that you mentioned it, like at the, at the, at the top that like, it sounded like they were maybe like taking care of some, you know, some loose like plot threads things, yeah. you know, um, 
I was like, well, I'm like, yeah, it's like a, it's like a bottle episode. Right. You know? And, right. and sometimes right. those can be really good. Those just really like nice, just kind of yeah. like tightly packed. The art was great. The art know? was great. Yeah. Yeah. J.H. Williams, like, the third crushed it. Oh yeah, completely. And, and like, just, I don't know, it's just a good little story. I mean, you know, not like we haven't like kind of heard like, Oh, Batman, you're going too hard. Like, right, right. We've kind of heard this song and dance before. I mean, like, even Alfred brought it up. He's like, these are the lessons that you learned from Nightfall, yet you're falling back into your old habits. Like, you got to have a balance, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Batman's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he just, I don't know, does whatever because he's Batman. Yeah, yeah. And I did, but I did like, so like Black Mask, I'm like, again, it's just like, Fetch isn't ever going to be a thing. Yeah, this is what it felt like. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, Black Black Mask exists. Yeah. Oh, he's still he's still out there for years, for years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But but never I I I thought it was good. I wish it was a little more meaty with Mm. Robin and Alfred and Batman. If that's going to be the focus of the book, they don't really pull that in until like halfway through. Yeah. Um, and I thought it ended well with Robin and Batman having like a heart to heart. But it also like Dick <laughs> Dick Grayson. Tim Drake was sitting there in the back cave and he's like listening to this conversation with him and Alfred. And at the end of the book, Batman and Robin like get in the car and they're talking. And Batman's like, Oh yeah, I knew you were, you were there the whole time. And these were all the things I wanted to say to you, but I didn't want to have a confrontation, so I just said it and left. And I was like, you fucking, like, what is, how broken are you inside, Bruce? Just to have a conversation. He's a child. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is like, it's like, yeah, Bruce. It's like, hey, Bruce Wayne, in, your, in all your years of travel around the world to learn the many, like, you know, as many different, like, you know, strategies and martial arts and all this stuff, you get, like, you didn't take a psych course? Like, right, right. You can't just, like, Talk to the people who are around you who care about you. Like, yeah, what are you? What yeah. are we doing here? Yeah, to this to this traumatized child who's seen uh, people be thrown into like you know machinery. Yeah, like you can't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My only criticisms with the book was, uh, I wish it was maybe a little more. If we're gonna lean into that like family dynamic, maybe they could have leaned a little harder. And the other thing is, like Batman gets a new car. And it's like a non-event. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, he's in the new one. And and you start there and you're like, oh, oh, I guess this is the new one. And it's like, yeah, yeah. He doesn't unveil it. There's no, yeah, like, yeah. there's no like, oh, I've done, I've made some tweaks, you know, like, you know, yeah. we don't get like a gear rundown. It's just like, oh, he's got a new car. It drives him from A to B, I guess. I don't know. I- and it shoots him out of the top of it. Well, I wonder, I wonder if there, there's this like push pull though, like, because like, you know, this is like 95 now. I wonder if there's mm-hmm. like, if comic creators at this time in, in superhero books are starting to like, try to pull away from like all the gear. Cause I remember like early nineties, like gear, always, you know, you know, those big splash pages and it would have like points down of like, you know, all oh, the stuff yeah, on man. cables, gun and shit. And like, yeah, all this, yeah. you know, like. All, all, all the balaclava like what's like on it and like all that stuff and like but like that was like really popular for like a few years but like maybe like the trend is just kind of like 
dying down and maybe some of the writers are just like, oh, thank God. And he's like, yep, here's the Batmobile. <laughs> You know, because like at a certain point, it's having a your car. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like having your character, especially like, you know, Batman's known for this for like, he always has like whatever sure. he needs in his utility belt or like. Where does he get those wonderful toys? It, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe, maybe it was just a part of like a pulling away of like, yep, new Batmobile. Okay. Moving on. Maybe. But yeah, pretty good issue. Yeah. 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 I really dug it. I really dug it. You want to go into uh, Shadow of the Bat 46? 46, right? Yes. Shadow by the of way, the Bat. By the way, real quick about Shadow of the Bat. So yeah. like I was saying before about the Amazon affiliate links, like I've been looking up to see like what's collected and what's not. And a lot of Shadow of the Bat is collected. However, those two issues that tie in with Catwoman with the questionable indigenous people that oh, yeah. maybe don't hold up well, not collected. The... The white savior Bruce Wayne or Thomas or whatever his name was, Wayne, who's yeah. who's dragging uh, black people to freedom, not collected. Didn't decide to collect that one. <laughs> some, some decent choices. Some good choices yeah, yeah. there. It'll skip over those ones. It's fine. It's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, is, this isn't so important that we have to print it and have a disclaimer of like, OK, guys, look. <laughs> it's, it's like when disney ran song of the south on disney plus they're like okay all right so this yeah. is a thing yeah. but it was a different time <laughs> yeah yeah shadow of the bat issue number 46 the shadow of the bat falls on cornelius jerk alan grant is the writer tommy lee edwards is the penciler ray mccarthy yeah. is the inker pamela rambo is the colorist Android Images doing those color separations. Bill Oakley Letterer, Brian Stillfries, cover painter, Jordan B. Gorfunkel, associate editor, Dennis O'Neill is the big boy editor. We begin with a voiceover talking about the techniques of the common serial killer, how they mostly go about prey smaller than themselves. The voice is talking over a scene of a psycho lording over a homeless man, getting ready to beat him for no other reason than he doesn't really see him as human. Thankfully, he only gets a few punches in before a helpful cop chases this asshole away. Cop leads the victim away, telling him he has a place near here where he can get a drink and clean himself up. The voiceover continues on about how weaker victims are easier to kill and dispose of, just as the police officer leads the man to a blind alley and raises a knife. In Arkham, we see where the voice is coming from. It's an interview being given by this serial killer, Cornelius Sturt. He's in full genius serial killer trope territory here <laughs> he's toying with this egghead who's writing a book about him Stirk gives his his actual diagnosis which is a psychopath and mentions the whole thing of like ooh, after he describes what psychopathy is like it reminds you of some politicians no like yeah great psych 101 thinking there buddy you're real intellectual titan over here Next, this jackass is going to quote Hamlet and like pretend he's cultured or something. (laughs) Dr. Arkham is looking in on the interview and he's excited about this form of treatment and the money that the book will bring to Stirk's victims. Capitalism, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Mm -hmm. Loomis, the guard watching the interview on on the CCTV, helpfully turns on the TV so we can see the conclusion to the thrilling mayor race. Uh, Kroll has a slight lead. Stay tuned. Sure will. On the edge of my seat over here. <laughs> Just Bruce. loving the po- the thrill of politics. Oh, yeah. So thrilling. Bruce votes. <laughs> uh, 
Alfred lists the election night fun they might get up to. Bruce tells him to have a have fun while he bats the fuck out of there. Yep. And now back to some spooky smart serial killers. We're back with Stirk's voiceover as we look back on this poor homeless man who's now tied to a chair and being chatted up by a maniac. Maniac ain't liking that this guy isn't scared enough, so he turns himself into a friggin' saber-toothed tiger. God damn, I think I'd shit my pants if, like, you know, that oh, happened in oh front yeah. of me. Like, oh yeah. probably already would have shot my pants tied up with a, you know, whatever. I ain't a tough guy. Back to the interview. Our egghead is getting a bit more nervous, asking Stirk about his shape-changing abilities. Oh, no, 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 he doesn't have those. He just hypnotizes people into seeing what he wants them to see. Much more plausible. All right, that makes more, I'm, I'm more comfortable with that now. Stirk also loves human hearts, apparently. It always gets his tummy rumbling. Human hearts, man. There's it's some like, more poly- It's like yeah. the, the, the serial killer and being interviewed by the egghead. It's like every single serial killer you've seen interviewed by an egghead. There is oh, yeah. nothing unique about what's happening in this issue. No. No, no, it's 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 tropes all the way down. Which, maybe you know. maybe the the hip, hypnosis stuff is kind of interesting. That's kind of yeah. interesting, but like yeah. 99% of this is is just like, hey, you've heard this song and dance before. Yeah. There's some more politics stuff. Uh Penguin placing some bets on the race like a the degenerate gambler that he is, and I don't care how well you dress yourself Cobblepot, we know who you are. He's using tonight <laughs> to have one of his crews hit all of the candidates' houses since they'll be empty. It's a clever bird. Batman, as is his wont, swoops in and fucks these guys up. I mean, just head through a car window, ducking out of the way so they shoot each other. Badass. Great action in this issue. The art team is fucking killing it. Yeah, man. More, early, it, this is early Tommy Lee Edwards, and like, that so dude. Good. Oh Ooh. my gosh. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So good. More sm- serial killer smart man talk. Stirk explains he loves, you know, eating human hearts. Uh, Egghead asks him if his abilities make it hard for him to get caught. And of course it does. Well, how did Batman catch him then? Well, <laughs> it was this Mensa member that caught Batman. He tortured him too. He also made the classic mistake of not just killing him right away and kept him tied mm-hmm. up while he was going to kill a guy in front of him. Then he just gives up once Batman snaps the ropes, you know, because he's a fucking wuss. Yeah. That's when, that's when Stirk makes his move and his reveal. The face he's been displaying this whole time isn't really his face. He grabs the egghead's pen. The egghead calls for help, but it's too late. The guard on duty, Loomis, has already been hypnototed. Batman <laughs> is swinging through the air, listening to the radio, NPR, I'm assuming. That asshole Kroll lost. Good riddance. There's a new DA, too. Sure, I remember there being a race for DA, Seth Voter. I think that happened. I think that they threw that in last pod, like the last minute as like a Uh, throwaway line. I'm not even sure. At some point, somebody said something about there's going to be a new DA soon too. And like, that was it. That's all we got. So, yeah. uh, that's That's so great. That's so great. Dr. Arkham runs into the guard outside, asking him what the hell he's doing there. He's supposed to be watching Stirk give Egghead the interview. Hypnotized dude said he just sent the Egghead off and that Stirk is sleeping. 
not to be disturbed. <laughs> nice touch. Dr. Arkham knows what's up now. Sterk is gone and he's left a note advising him that the place could use better cooking facilities. Oh, and there's the body of the egghead, Sans Heart, in his cell. Mm-hmm. Sterk is on his way with an invitation to Penguin's election night party at his club. Batman confronts Penguin about the robberies. Cobblepot claims innocence and ignorance. And Penguin makes his way down to the party and the new DA who is in his fishy pocket. Next issue, political party panic. More politics. Thrill. Thrill at the thrilling politics. What'd you think? What'd you think? Uh, I thought it was a pretty, uh, not really engaging as far as the writing goes, but uh, Tommy Lee Edwards kept me in my seat. He's a brilliant artist. This is very early Tommy Lee Edwards, but you can still see that he's like head and shoulders above a lot of the other art teams that we've seen. Oh, yeah. Um, Just really fantastic. I feel like he doesn't really start coming into his own. Like this is great work from him but it, he doesn't ascend to the level that he's at now until he really starts coloring himself um, yeah. once he starts doing that oh man he gets so fucking good he's like i think he's one of the best out there right now making mainstream books in general yeah. well and even man even even back then just his like you know and i i will say this though too about the serial killer trope i'll just give like you know a, a little bit more like leash on that because it was 1995 and i'm yeah you know, i guess it was st- and it was just kind of like popular then like i guess it was tropey at that point but like it was just like a popular like yeah it popular, was tropey like, but it wasn't like worn out like like yeah at this yeah. point i've seen mind hunter you know like yeah so you know yeah that show isn't gonna stack is- up was yeah, on yeah, for yeah. 20 years and csis right, right, and all, right, whatever other right. yeah 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 been um, beaten into the ground serial killers yeah yeah but tommy lee edwards like it's always especially at this time to see uh in a mainstream book just making uh, uh pages where there are just people talking to be very to just be compelling and to keep you oh in. yeah and yeah. to you know and uh not be afraid to like play with angles and just like does this look interesting? Does that look interesting? And right. I can't, I can't imagine uh, when, when he was breaking down these pages and thumbnailing them, like how many times he probably drew different, like for the conversation yeah. scenes, just sort of different, like how, how should I frame? How do you make this? the most engaging page? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like what, what are these going to look like in the storytelling next to each other? And how do I keep mm-hmm. these beats? And like, you know, like that kind of thing it was just, really really well done and it's such a hard thing to pull off too and in a super in particular i think i was a little disappointed we didn't get more action out of it because you were right in that the action where batman beats up the goons that are trying to like rob the houses is so fluid and so good and batman is like he starts it by slamming the guy's head into the car as he like swoops in and he ends it by slamming a dude's head into the car and in between those head slams, he's basically not fighting them. He's dodging them and they're hitting themselves. And yeah. it's yeah. so strong. It's such good cartooning all the way through. Oh, yeah. Yeah, such such great uh, uh, impact. Yeah. Can, can I tell a quick Tommy Lee Edwards story? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
my buddy Larry, who I do a lot of cons with uh, when I was living in Florida because we were living in the same town. So we'd like both hit up whatever con, you know, uh, he's a comic artist as well. Larry Watts. And he did a show once and uh, got on the Wi-Fi network and noticed that there was another computer on the Wi-Fi network. It was like Wi-Fi for the hotel. And it was Tommy Lee Edwards' computer just totally unlocked all of his like raw files, everything he was working on. Like you could see how he was piecing pages together and stuff <laughs> like that. And he was like, he was like, oh shit, I got to let him know. So he like the next day at the con, he was like, hey, just so you know, everyone can see your computer on the Wi-Fi. And he was like, oh shit, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, what a like, and and probably too. He's probably like you know just like tired from travel. He's at the con. Yeah, yeah. He's doing the right. thing. He's still probably still trying to like get some work done. Like you know right, here right. and there. He's not paying attention to this. Yeah, just not yeah. even like thinking about like right. Yeah, lo- locking it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's great. yeah, that's great. Let's get into some Detective Comics six ninety three. Unless you have anything else you want to add. No, no, just honestly, really, really great issue of uh, Shadow of the Bat. Yeah. I kind of hope, I, I hope uh, Tommy Lee Edwards is around for the uh, the duration of the arc. Uh, I hope so, too. I hope we get more Tommy Lee. I Every single fucking time I almost say Tommy Lee Jones, it's Tommy Lee Edwards. It's not Tommy yeah. Lee Jones. Two yeah, different I, people. I, yeah, I thought, I thought about making a joke about that, but I'm just like, no, no. That's, it's just going to fuck I'm, me up more, Jason. Please don't. <laughs> well, but, well, but also, like, I'm just like, I bet this man has been hearing that joke his oh, entire freaking life. So yes. I'm like, you he know, probably, he, he probably gets it from people who are nervous to meet him at shows and fuck it up in front of them. I'm sure that happens. I'm positive that happens. Also, he's a great follow on social media. He works on a lot of uh, classic American muscle cars as well. So, oh, sweet. Uh, yeah, sweet. yeah, he's a cool dude. He's a cool dude. Uh, fucking awesome. God, fucking what? What is living his childhood dream? Fucking rebuilding muscle cars and drawing comics. I'm working books. in comic books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, so great. Very good. It's very so good. Great. Detective Comics six ninety three, written by Chuck Dixon, art by Staz Johnson and James Hodgkins, colors by the amazing Trish Mulville. We'll talk about that in a minute. Seps by Android Images. Letters by. John Costanza edits by Scott Peterson with Darren Vincenzo. Uh, this is System Shock. And uh, it occurred to me because uh, this past couple of days have been heavy colors chatter in the Discord. And somebody asked in a comic book Discord that I'm in, not my own Discord, but a, another one, like what a separator is. Do you know? Like, so we keep saying SEPs by Android Images. Yeah. Do you have any idea about that, Jason? You explained once, you explained it to me once, and I then forgot. <laughs> so basically, the colorist, I'm going to run through it really quick because apparently I've explained it once already, but we keep saying seps, and we're in like the prime time for colorist and separator being two different jobs right now. So I want to make it abundantly clear. Yeah, because it's still new. Uh, digital coloring is still new. Like there's still a lot of books yeah. that are still being colored by hand at this point. Yeah, yeah. So know? this era, because we have digital coloring that's new, you can kind of like make any 
color on the screen and in print. So what's happening, but it's still like having a computer in 1995 to do this kind of work. There's like limitations to it. And there's also a, a, a knowledge base that you got to have to work a computer versus just drawing or just painting, you know? Yeah, I just looked this up. Just just uh, in 1995, the version of uh, Photoshop that was out was 3.0. Yeah, so there you go. It might yeah, so, have, it might have just got layers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, early days, early days, early days. So you have people with specialized Photoshop knowledge, and then you have people who know color theory. And so a colorist will using Doc Martin dyes and markers. Uh, literally color in like a coloring book like a page like they'll get like a stack of pages that are kind of on this paper that feels kind of like money and then you know marker render basically everything um and then they'll pass it off to a separator and the separator will just like pin it next to their monitor and then just try to replicate exactly what the person did with their you know like physical page and so depending on the separator, the separator is making the final image that hits print. So a lot of times a colorist might get a bad separator or a good separator. And then they'll see the book in print and they'll be like, oh, this is better than what I did. Or, oh, this is worse than what I did. Yeah, yeah. So oh, wow. uh, I just wanted to illustrate that. Trish Mulville is our colorist on this issue. She has had a huge career spanning a lot of different books. But uh, one of her most notable is uh, we talked about it on the two read pile. Hundred bullets. She colored a uh, hundred bullets. Oh no shit! Oh yeah. god! I... Um, she so she colored a hundred bullets among a lot of other books, and uh, she started out doing color separations. Or st- sorry, she started out doing colors, and Xylenol Studio, the studio I worked at, was doing color separations. So I was getting. Trish Mulville pages and then like pinning it up to the monitor and like trying to make it work exactly, you know, stuff like that. Um, So during this time, this is like 2004. She is like one of the last holdouts that are still doing these color, you know, uh, what do they call them? Proofs, these color proofs. And she actually transitions midway through 100 bullets from doing just like Doc Martin dies and markers to like, okay, now she's doing Photoshop. So the fact that you can't tell, I think speaks to volumes to her professionalism and to her ability that she like went from, you know, markers and Doc Martin dies to Photoshop, whatever version it was. And it was seamless and perfect. And she's just an amazing colorist. And uh, if anyone ever catches her at a show, say hi. Tell her her work's great because it is. Yeah. Holy shit, it is. Yeah. This is System Shock. A man in a hazmat suit is wheeling out a barrel of, of something in the park at night. He finds himself beset by thugs looking to rob him of his barrel, I guess. They, I guess they want that barrel. I don't know. <laughs> that- Gotta get that barrel, man. You gotta stack them barrels. You never heard that expression? Stack never, them barrels. I, Jason, no. That's not an expression. I, I won't believe you. <laughs> you shouldn't. The hazmat guy 
cuts loose, smoking them all out with some chemicals, slowing them down so that he can arm the bomb. The barrel is a bomb. Hazmat guy makes his escape in a rental van, but Batman is on his tail. Hazmat guy crashes into a department. Oh, so the, also the bomb exploded. I, I should have wrote that in the summary. The bomb exploded. Yeah. <laughs> the hazmat guy crashes into a department store. Batman and Robin on his tail with respirators uh, just to be safe from the chemicals. The hazmat guy uses a old television to smash through a window and hop from the second floor onto the bus below, getting away from the bat. Meanwhile, Gotham PD are on the scene at the park. The explosion wasn't the point. The explosion simply dispersed the defoliant. The trees are losing their leaves and the grass is dying. Meanwhile, Marion Grange won the election and she'll be Gotham's new mayor. Seth Voter is the new district attorney. Meanwhile, the previous mayor is irked because he's lo- he lost and he realized he still has some power and he can appoint a new commissioner and he's got just the guy for the job. I don't know who that is. Probably Gordon? Question mark. Hmm? Meanwhile, Pamela Isley, a.k.a. Poison Ivy, is uh, upset about the recent development regarding the plant genocide. She poisons the doctors at Arkham Asylum and makes her escape. Batman searches for a motivation, and he can't quite figure this crime out with the hazmat suit guy. It's not money. He didn't put in a threat. We don't know what his deal is. We cut to a pharmacy that has our hazmat guy just buying like a stupid amount of allergy medication, like a ridiculous amount. He has a conversation with like the person working there. She's like, have you tried the shots? And he's like, I've tried everything. (laughs) He's wearing gloves. He's like, doesn't want to touch anything. It's dude's a mess. He just hates those fucking plants. GPD surrounds Uh, hazmat guy's house. The hazmat guy ends up pushing through the barricade with his truck. Batman follows. The guy jumps a drawbridge to get away from the bat. Batman tries to stop, but his car tips over the edge of the bridge and falls into the water below. Is this brand new Batmobile toast already? Find out next time, true believers. <laughs> Jason, what do you think of Detective Comics 693? I thought I thought I thought it was all right. I thought I thought it was I thought it was okay. I mean, I, I enjoyed the um the, the the goofiness of like just like the simplicity of the motive of this guy yeah yeah that he just has like such terrible allergies you know like I, I was trying he's to, just gonna kill all plant life in gotham yeah yeah because at first because at the beginning of the issue when he's when you don't see the reveal yet he has that weird like i, I didn't i didn't know what to make of that sound effect in the in between him trying to talk you know yeah yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, it's because he's stuffed up. Yeah, it's, he's he's wheezing for air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's that that's that's what it is. I'm like, that's that's cute. I I think but, I I think I yeah. liked this issue a little more than you did because uh, yeah. I kind of really loved it. <laughs> the the idea that like Poison Ivy gets fired up about getting out of Gotham because one man is taking his allergies into his own hands. I just oh, find yeah. it hilarious. It's just such a it's such a like fucking it, it's a weird plot device that I have never seen with Poison Ivy before. Yeah. And there are there's so much Poison Ivy content out there that I I it was just really nice to see something fresh, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I guess, I guess, I guess that was another part of the thing that just like this this era of Poison Ivy just kind of like it's not interesting to me. Yeah, is is because it can just it can just become so one note. You know, it's like it oh, is. I hear I hear the plants scream and like <sighs> I don't know if she necessarily like has a deep connection to the green yet mm. or not. Cause I know that her powers get tweaked a little bit from the nineties to now. So I don't yeah, think she like, yeah, I don't think she's as quite as powerful. Yeah. She like almost turns into like an elemental or something these days. Right. Like not right, right. a swamp thing, but kind of like, yeah, a but ju- she a junior, swamp thing, whatever. Yeah. 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 They're in the same boat. Yeah, Whereas, like yeah. at this point, she's still mostly people rather than plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did, I did enjoy, I did really enjoy the go- just kind of the goofiness of you know, well, like yeah. like you said, of like of the guy, and then also now poison ivy's on his tail. Like I, I love that this dude who's just like taking his allergies into his own hands got away from Batman twice. <laughs> like yes. That's extremely excellent. <laughs> I, I do want to give an honorable mention too, though, to the um, I guess not heads up, but eyeball up display in Robin's uh visor. Oh yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> like, when when they crash into the the when he crashes into the department store and Batman and Robin go in after him, they're like, what chemicals are those? Are are things gonna explode? You know? And Robin's like hold on, I'm running an analysis. And it's like data streaming over his eyeball. <laughs> it's very yeah. fun. It's very yeah. fun. That was great. It's such a great, um, like, yeah. I know we talked about color a little bit in the beginning, but I just wanted to uh, reiterate Trish Mulville doing some stuff in here that you don't see very often. A lot of uh, knockouts, meaning she's colorized the line art, like taking the black line art and made it into a color. A lot of the smoke effects from the chemical disbursement and stuff like that. Uh, all the colors were super bright and like told a really good story. It, w- it was like a clear le- you can. We talked this about this a little bit with Matt Hollingsworth's a uh, couple of arcs that he did with the Firefly stuff and the pirate crew. Yeah. Um, from a few pods ago at this point, but you can see between like him and Patricia Mulville that like they're starting to coalesce around like good color theory and good storytelling. And they are uh, few in the industry in 1995 that are thinking about that kind of stuff because normally it's a lot of stuff that looks like, you know, image comics, cyber force coming out of like this kind of era of coloring yeah yeah like you're just kind of doing what you're told essentially well yeah Yeah. and it's also like colorists went from we have very limited tools to we have all the tools and some of them like once they got all the tools used all the fucking tools (laughs) like yeah and and it's to a point where it's like oh this is actually detrimental like you need to scale it back and make it readable you know what i mean Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout out Trish again because uh, she's really great. And uh, if she wants to sell me some 100 Bullets color guides, I would happily do it. I'd happily and, buy them from you, Trish. Please, please. And I will say, too, it's no small thing for any of the colorists that were 
uh, either at the start of or not too far into their careers at this point. Um, And even some of them who were like, it's no small feat to just like, it's hard to explain to people who don't go through it or weren't alive then, but like just the massive sea change of, oh, not here are some new tools for you to do your job. Here's a completely different way that you're going to have to learn how to do it. You know, like anybody who's ever sat down to be like, I'm just going to learn how to do this thing in Photoshop. It's like, good luck. (laughs) Hope hope you have some tutorials and a lot of time. Yeah. But I forgot the name of the program. There was a, there's a program pre Photoshop that people were using for like a hot second, like, two or three years in the 90s before like photoshop became the standard um and it was made by a guy who through a series of of like unfortunate business decisions basically lost control of his product and then because of that he was like i'm never updating this like fuck off you know he was like because the company was like hey we need you to keep updating this he was like no no so eventually Photoshop eclipsed this program. Um, let me see. If, let me see if I can find it. Let me search. Yeah. yeah. This program, the reason that uh, I learned about it is because we were talking about how Akira was colored for the United States market. And yeah, uh, this was the first time that there was a colorist and a separator and they were the first, they were the same person. So like, I believe it was Olaf. Yeah, Olaf uh, colored Akira using this program in uh, 89. And it was the first time that he was, and he did every step. He did all the color guides and then he did all the color digital work based on the color guides. Cause like that's how it was done back then. And like he was probably more comfortable figuring out the color theory than he was, you know, like in the computer. So he was like, let's figure it all out on the page. Then we'll put it in the computer. We'll get it done. Side note. Marissa Louise, another colorist, bought a handful of Akira color guides at a convention for 50 bucks a pop because she was like, man, they, these seem like they should be more expensive. And I took a quick look on uh, Amazon or on eBay. There's a couple of Akira pages that are up there, color guides. And they're like 500 to $1,000. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. <laughs> So uh, I'm extremely jealous of her uh, Akira pages. Um, yeah, God. It's it's Akira was done on a program called Kaleidoscope, which is impossible to Google now. This is from Steve's site. So this is Steve Olaf who colored Akira. Two days after Christmas, 1987, Federal Express delivered two boxes to my office in the downtown Point area. It was an IBM uh, 286 12 megahertz box loaded with an AT&T Targa graphics board, DOS, and their kaleidoscope software and a monitor. It also had a handmade, handmade heat diffuser to cool off the math's coprocessor on this on this board. Taped to the case was a one-page sheet of instructions about how to run the system. It was very simple. I set it up and loaded up some some of the discs of Akira art, and then spent the next three months coloring Akira number one. Three months to color Akira number one. The system chugged like an old farm truck. The software was buggy and the machine was erratic. It really needed that heat diffuser 
because when it overheated every day, sometimes many times a day, it frees and he'd lose everything up to the last save. It got so bad that I'd save after every single polygon, each traced and then enclosed with color. He colored all but three or four pages, um, which Abel Mutton helped color with. Eventually, uh, in the early days, Kenny scanned the pages, shipped, shipped me the disks. I colored them on the system and sent the disks back to him. From there, uh, he made proofs and output the film. Uh, I didn't see a single proof until the issue came out uh, in print for the first 10 issues. With issue 11, I got a printer and a scanner so that I could actively check on things. All the issues before were kind of seat of your pants, hope for the best kind of situation. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And Akira is like crazy to like to be like, hey, I'm just going to experiment with color on this book that probably no one's going to read. Akira, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And those are some phenomenal colors, too. Like I can. Yeah. Like I can I can conjure some of those up. Yeah. Yeah. fucking bonkers dude the way that it's every time i hear about how comics were made pre-90s i'm like if they were still made that way i would not be in comics (laughs) there's no fucking way the tedium dude the fucking tedium yeah i've I've read some stories about like even even the guys back in like the 30s and 40s you know Mm -hmm. of just like the i've I've read some stories about like the old like ec guys you know just yeah in in the office for like hours yeah so so kaleidoscope wasn't wasn't the program i was thinking of this was apparently specially made for this system so that he could color akira oh Uh, okay the other system that was rival to photoshop was called the cod barrett system and uh apparently uh android images who is doing all the steps on these books that we're talking about uh used this system and this was the one who like that like got away from him the the creator so yeah. like he basically stopped updating it and they did like some cosmetic things to be like oh we're still updating but like eventually photoshop just eclipsed it listen to this in those days the cod barrett software just the software mind you five thousand dollars per workstation um and the computers were relatively inexpensive ibm clones they didn't need powerful processors because this cod barrett system instead of being pixel based like photoshop was vector based so it would just log all of the math basically and then recreate the image every time you load it which is like a way to save space but also it's like oh my god what are we doing like <laughs> yeah it's i probably a necessity for the time however oh my god yeah. what are we doing yeah, it's yeah, it's that, the old joke of like the um, the JPEG of Super Mario Brothers on the NES is actually a higher file size than Super Mario Brothers on the NES because that's all just math. Whereas like the pixel count on this JPEG is so high that, it, that it's bigger than the game. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is also great. I, I love hearing stories like this because like you know, you end up in a place where uh, something is the norm and like, you know, and now thankfully you have like Clip Studio Paint and like, you know, a few other programs kind of start nipping at the heels at like Photoshop, like Supremacy and like stuff like Procreate and, you know, but like people who like encounter these things who are are younger are like, 
oh, this stuff just works. It's like, no. oh, it's a long, hard road to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure the same could be said about a lot of like technology that we grew up enjoying that was just sure. like, you know, took 20 or 30 years to get to the like perfect yeah. point. Y- 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 yeah. You know. And like, I, I knew that there were systems pre Photoshop and I knew that there was growing pains in the nineties as this tech got more like easier to use, more widely distributed, cheaper, all those things. But I had no idea that there were like competing visual image software stuff. Yeah. Um, and then uh, in the, when we were talking about this in the Discord, uh, Andy pointed out that all the books were ed- uh, laid out in Quark, which is a program that like newspapers used. And I, I actually, I yeah, learned I Quark. I learned Quark in school. Because they were like, you're going to need to know this to lay out comics. And now everything's just Illustrator. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Con- congratulations. What you just got a degree in learning is now obsolete. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the workforce, Tiger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I, man, I graduated. We're on a like a wild tangent now. But like when I graduated college, I was like. I was a kid who who put a lot of faith in the adults around me. And I was like, oh, now that I've learned all this, I can stop learning. <laughs> and the world does not work that way at all. At yeah. all. Like yeah. you basically have to you have to fall in love with the process of making the thing and learning about new processes to make the thing. If you don't have that, if you're just like, you know. I'm I'm done learning, then you're not going to be in a good place in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's the same way. Well, you know, yeah, it's the same way in like, you know, like computers, like, like programmers and stuff. It's like, yep. Oh, I'm going to go to, I'm, I got my bachelor's and, you know, CSE or whatever. And it's like, and Oh, well the theory is still there. Okay. Well yeah. I have that, but all these programming languages have been, and you know, and like your know, frameworks and whatever I've been learning and using are, oh, wait, no, they're not popular anymore. And they want to switch to this other thing. Cool. Yep. Well, great. Yeah. I'm well, the new thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Ho- hopefully my theory is sound and I can just jump in, you know. I've talked about coloring too long, Jason. Please take us into Batman and Robin. I like it when you talk about coloring, though. Batman and Robin Adventures, Issue 3. Paul Dini is your writer. Ty Templeton is your penciler. Rick Burkick is your inker. Linda Medley is your colorist. Richard Starkings and Comic Craft are your letterers. Darren Vincenzo is your associate editor. And Scott Peterson is your big boy editor. Christmas time is here. Time for some Christmas cheer. Looking on a snowy Yuletide night at the Progenitor Club, I swear I didn't look up to, you know, figure out what that meant and to <laughs> pronounce it properly. I, I, I knew it, always knew it. The Progenitor Club is a rich person society located in an Art Deco version of a nondescript building. You know, what? well, as much as like, you know, Art Deco could get nondescript. Yeah. They're, they're holding their annual holiday gathering of rich, important people. This place is chock-a-block with artifacts and valuable items from people like 
race Bannon probably and adventurers. <laughs> I did I did love the nod to to like adventure stories and stuff. It was really cool. Yeah. And and what's this? It's Santa on stage. The fat man's ready to dole out the gifts, but he's got questions? What the hell? Ah uh, shit, it's the Riddler. After he reveals himself in grand in fashion. I just kind of the way you framed that, I just kind of realized how disappointing it is to run into the Riddler, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, it's the fucking Riddler. Just like, yeah. God, this is the last thing I need. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, God, why am I forgetting his, uh, the character's name um, uh, in Batman Beyond? The, um, the Batman in Batman Beyond. Oh, Not Terry McGinnis. Terry McGinnis. Sorry. Yeah, it's like Terry McGinnis. Like, yeah, I'm going to be Batman in my first. Be- ah, the Riddler. I, this guy? I can't get this guy. Yeah. <laughs> just obnoxious. Just you don't want to deal with it. Yeah, he is fun, though. He is fun. He is fun. After he reveals himself in grand supervillain fashion, the upper crust begin to harumph and shout to call the cops. Riddler asks his lovely henchwomen to calm the crowd down. They oblige by spraying indiscriminately with their automatic weapons. Communication by gun is a very American thing. Yeah, but what's the, but what's this? The inquisitive clause is calling the fuzz on himself. What's this maniac got in mind here? He gives Gordon a quick call. And I love how quickly they got him patched through too to the commissioner, just you know, straight in yep. there. <laughs> With that, we have our first summer Gleason appearance of the season. Listen, you know I'm happy. Yeah, I thought about it, like oh, summer Gleason, look at that. Yep. This, in, this intrepid TV reporter is live on the scene. She asks the commission if there been any motive behind the Riddler's crime tonight like he usually has. They haven't figured anything out yet. He just took some hostages. Then grenades smash through the windows, quickly filling the entire area with a cloud of green gas or smoke or, you know. In the confusion, the begast mass henchwoman appears behind our intrepid reporter. Back inside with the cameraman and a live feed to the city and Summer Gleason, the Riddler starts his real plan. He's going to expose the identities of Batman and Robin. Summer's incredulous, asking why he thinks they'd be here of all places. Riddler gets in a nice sexist response that she must have been hired for her looks. Like, damn, dude, yep. here I thought you were all progressive with your henchwomen and whatnot. And right. That was yeah, he had such response. a he had such a positive hench people thing the last time we saw him with his with his uh uh three stooges goons yeah yeah and now he was so progressive and now eh, eh. yeah yeah but the perform the real performance is the might of the logic that he's gonna show to figure out who batman and robin are and he breaks down the facts batman has to be between 28 and 40 something Batmobiles don't come cheap, so he must be rich or bankrolled by a rich person. And the rich people there who have fathers and sons around the age range of Batman and Robin are the best bet. He's not wrong, but it's a bit like, you know, there's a, a, a fallacy called the post hoc ergo propter hoc, you know, the like, oh, afterwards, therefore, you know, oh, this thing, you know, all right, Riddler, all right, yeah. Super whoa, 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 back, back up and explain exactly what that Latin was. Because uh, I've never heard this idea before. Well, it's, it just means like, you know, like a logical fallacy, right? So it's like, 
oh, well, B follows A, so B must have been caused by A. Is, oh, okay, is, okay. Yeah, it's sort of the general gist of it, which, like, yeah, the Riddler's right in this case. Like, it is, like, pretty obvious if, you know, to figure out who Batman is, but... Sure. You know, it's not always... You know, all right, smart guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then he he starts making his case across the room of these captured rich people. There's Graham Nolan. He's a multimillionaire, and him and his son are world-class gymnasts. Truly are betters who deserve to have all of that money. <laughs> then there's then the, the MacGyver clan. Uh, the old man in the wheelchair, though, he isn't taking any, any of Riddler's shit, but he reminds him that, but Riddler reminds him he's not going to do anything, you know, pointing at the uh, henchwomen with the gun. And then he posits there could be a team of revolving Batman and Robins, you know, after he was shot. And his, after this old man was shot and his wife and two kids uh, during a robbery at his factory, like, Jesus, like Gotham's got issues, man. Like, why is anyone yeah. still moving there? Like, is the rent that yeah. cheap when there's just like common like factory robberies where uh, families are getting iced? Like, <laughs> yeah, okay, fine, you know. Cut to our boys in the Batmobile watching on the center console TV, which like, hey, I guess they predicted that, right? Yep. Bats knows that this mook doesn't know what he's talking about and wonders what his real game is. Robin thinks he's finally just lost his marbles, but Batman knows better. The dynamic duo swiftly sneak their way into the club, heading down the hall with portraits of the club's founding fathers. Gross. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote that. We come upon a large Gross. portrait. <laughs> They're just founding fathers, Jason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We come upon a large portrait uh, in tribute to Thomas Wayne. Time for some PTSD. While they <laughs> reminisce under the portrait of Bruce's murdered father, they hear a crash from the other room. Why, it's two goons attempting some sneak thieving. Oh. The goons are in the middle of swiping two expensive looking statues from the vault when Robin gets in a quip and then shows off how flexible he is by kicking them both in the face at once. Fucking show off while I'm here on my back with a heating pad writing this. God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gotta get that Robin body, Jason. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Hashtag goals. <laughs> really? I mean, come on, yeah. He lifted a full, he lifted a grown man with one arm. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just as the boy Wonder is about to get clobbered from behind, though, Batman saves the day. Dickinson, Dickinson another quip before they make their way to the stage. Looking at the statues, they're called Dos Hermanos, or the two brothers. Get it? The riddles all involved brothers or familial relationships. Man, lit professors, am I right? <laughs> Batman pokes one of the statues out from behind the curtain to get the Riddler to walk over and just one punch him to the ground. Henchwoman with the Mac 10 tells Batman to stop as she cocks her gun, but not before Robin just bowling balls in his way to the both of them, taking them out. Batman has it figured out. Everything was just a distraction from the robberies of the two priceless statues. Well, not just that, but to lead the dynamic duo to their deaths. And after delivering the worst uh, riddle of all time, <laughs> Riddler lets loose a wall of flame, catching the yeah, whole room on fire. But let me hit you with the riddle, all right? Yeah. Riddle me this, boy wonder. When is a tree not a tree? When it's a flame. 
terrible. Like, yeah, so bad. So D-list. bad. Like, yeah, D-list riddle. That, it could be that Mabim Bam bit. Like, <laughs> riddle me piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't. We're gonna infringe on intellectual copyright here. We can't. Oh, yeah. We can't go further than that. No, no, no. I won't. I won't. I won't. Besides, that bit was bad on their show. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Shots fired at the McElroys. We're coming for you. Yeah, yeah. Just give us like part of your audience, <laughs> please. You can, you can, please you can spare it. Yeah, you can spare <laughs> it. Robin wants to go after him, but Bats reminds him that they have to help the people now trapped in an inferno. He's like, I guess. Riddler steals a too cool looking Art Deco police van, cackling about his success. He's beat them all. The bat, the police, that insepid brat. Wait a minute, that insepid brat just pops his face right in front of the windshield, uh, asking him how he's doing. He's like, hey. Batman just punches straight through the window on the first try. Like, man, I got to get back to Planet Fitness. All these plans are coming unraveled. The van swerves wildly and crashes into a nearby creek. Robin, flung from the crash, is calling for Batman, who can't be seen anywhere. Triumphantly, though, he rises from the water with an unconscious Riddler in tow. Epilogue. The head of the Progenitor Society is thanking Bruce Wayne for his sizable donation, enough to help them get back on their feet. I'm sure they were a struggling organization before all of this. <laughs> right, right. The richest people in Gotham and their secret club need help from Bruce Wayne to get back on their feet. <laughs> yeah. He's asked to join, but Bruce admits, admits he's figured out that he's not the club joining type. Next issue, The Perilous Penguin. What'd you, what'd you, what'd you think? I really loved it. Everything was really great. Ty, uh, Ty Templeton drew it, correct? Yeah. I gotta, I gotta scroll back. Because at some point, he's going to make the transition to, to writer, but uh, Paul Dini wrote this. Uh, other than the terrible riddle, I really enjoyed it. Very, very good. Uh, Ty Templeton continues to kill it. Uh, everybody is. The color is really great. Everything in the everything in the issue is really fantastic. I really enjoyed uh, Bruce Wayne turning down the uh, Millionaire Boys Club. You know that yeah. that was. I felt good about that, um, and the fact that he wasn't part of it to begin with was also really great. Yeah, uh, I also. One of the things that I really love about this version, because this is, you know, we're outside the normal DC world we're we're in the Batman adventures, is that the Riddler almost wins every time until he gets punched in the head. <laughs> you know, And it's very good. He's like driving away. He's like dressed like a police officer. So you get out into the crowd, gets in one of the police cars and he's like, I've won finally. And then he's punched in the head. <laughs> I, it, it is very, you know, I'd never clocked that before, but it's very wildly, wi- wily coyote, you know? Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. Oh, he, and, Same energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and a boulder fell on him. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 The yeah. last couple of times we've seen him, he's like, I just want to win one. I just want to win one. So now I'm oh, very God, aware. So great. I'm very aware of like the Riddler just needing one win just a single victory (laughs) yeah because at the end of the day he is just like a a a disgraced uh uh you know college literature professor (laughs) so like 
Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not really like a, he's not the rock over he's, here, you know, like not only that, not only that, but he's a disgraced college literary professor whose superpower is leaving behind clues. And he's just well, like, why can't I win? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, also, I just love the uh, and, and this is exactly what I come to this book for. You know, I do love the like, you know, uh, Summer Gleason reporting live on the scene commission, mm -hmm. like the, you know, because it's like, yeah, in this world, this is a very common occurrence that right. most people are just kind of like. Oh yeah, hey, 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 honey, uh, look, look on the news. Uh, the Riddler's uh, at it again. Like, I don't fucking care about the Riddler. You, you know, like, <laughs> I just, I just, I just love that. I love that. Like, just like, no, no, this is the world. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows. Uh, not every criminal, but there are a lot of criminals that like to dress up in costumes and give themselves different names. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that have themes. <laughs> you know, we all just kind of have to accept it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh man. It. it was a good solid issue. A nice holiday issue, because we set yeah. a tree on fire and we had Riddler dressed like Santa. So, you know, that was fun. And we didn't yeah. get a holiday issue in the main <clears throat> books, despite having these like one shots that are just about Batman and Robin's relationship. We didn't get a holiday issue. So Yeah. You know. Yeah, we got we had the specials, the holiday specials, but yeah, we didn't have in the regular yeah. like main But in the mainline continuity Last year, I believe, was when we got um, Mr. Freeze dug out of the out of the Gotham River in an ice block, and he like thawed out and was on a rampage in the morgue with Renee Montoya. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that was like kind of a Christmas issue because they were talking about Christmas stuff around then, uh, a holiday issue. Yeah. And so I was I was strapped in and ready for that in the mainline bat books, but uh, it didn't seem to happen. However, Batman and Robin Adventures got us covered. Yeah, really good, really really good issue. Just a lot of a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm gonna miss yeah. uh, I'm gonna miss Ty Templeton's art. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure whoever is next is 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 gonna be great. Uh, I want to be surprised. I want to I want to wait to yeah you know, whenever that that flip that transition happens but you know it's like it's, it's tough like, to let go of ty templeton's art yeah yeah it's like it's like um the uh the grant morrison uh frank quietly run on x-men you know mm -hmm. um because it takes so long for frank quietly to to do what he needs to do you know to be that that kind mm -hmm. of artist he is uh and the villain artists like most of them were all right. Some of them were pretty good. And even the ones that were like really good, I was just kind of like, it's not Frank quite though. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I mean, like totally fine. Very good art. Not Frank quite. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I guess I'll have a Pepsi. Fine. <laughs> if that's what you have, I'm not gonna, you know, it's, it's good. It's fine. I don't mind Pepsi. Like I don't, you know, uh, I don't hate it. I'm not one of those people who, you know, but like, uh, we um we got our letters column back. Oh shit. Did you check it out at all? I did not. Well, the letters were mostly uneventful, but I figured I'd read one since we haven't done letters in so long. So long. So this is for uh Gotham Adventures issue 33, which was the Gosh, which one was that? 
I got to look it up again. Batman Adventures 33 was the uh, Bruce Wayne sees the gray ghost with a date who brings her kid. Oh, and yeah. Then they get robbed. And then Batman basically like rips the city apart. It's fucking personal for him. Yeah. Uh, but in doing so, abandons his uh, date and and she in, in turn breaks up with him because she's like, what the hell were you doing? And he's like, yeah, you don't understand. I'm Batman. You know, like yeah. uh, that was that issue. So uh, let me read a, a quick note on it. Dear Batman Adventures, just fi- finished reading issue 33 and I got to say I loved it. I wish the next issue, I wish I had the next issue already. But the story brings one question to mind. Will Bruce ever find true love? I mean, there's Talia keeps saying she loves him and appears Batman wants to believe it, but always turns on him in the end. And then there's Andrea Belmont from uh, Bruce's young love from Batman Mask of the Phantasm. That flame went up in smoke. There's also occasions in the animated series where Bats appears to have some interest in Catwoman. Of course, she's always liked Batman anyway. Will Bruce remain a bachelor all his life? I think he needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Anyway, congratulations on the good work, everyone. And keep it up. You're my favorite comic. That was from Sarah Irvin in Waco, Texas. And Scott writes, uh, that's why not everybody can be Batman. Personally, I feel like if ever if Batman ever finds his true love and decides he absolutely cannot live without a certain person, he will give up being Batman and hopefully live happily ever after. That's Scott Peterson, editor's headcanon of Batman. So I thought that was kind of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I do. I do like that a lot. I, I, I know I bring it up a lot, but it's some, something that I do miss about um, uh, comics letters columns, even though like it has been a long, long time since I would have even cared about it because I don't really buy floppies all too much and haven't for like 20 years at this point, close to 20 years at this point. But like, um, just like, you know, someone caring enough about this character that they love. Yeah. To just to like, be like let's it. talk about Batman's love life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, this guy's been through enough. I think, it, yeah, you know, everyone needs someone. Like, just let him want, go on a date. <laughs> yeah. I just want him to be happy. Let him be happy. I want him yeah, to be happy. Yeah. Like yeah. that. Fucking great. I love you want it. the next, next issue stinger? Yeah. Next issue, the Penguin's taken over Gotham Zoo. He's got hostages in one demand. He wants the Batman. Batman and Robin Adventures number four, Birdcage. And I'm not going to read you the team that's going to, because you said you wanted to be surprised. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to be surprised, but the team's going to change a little bit next time. So, yeah. Jason, how can people get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me on the Twitters because it's still there, you know. It's at, still there. At King of Black Acid, also at World Second Finest, at World Second, you know, with the, the, yep. the number two. Yeah, uh, episodes and, that get released uh, get posted up there. So if you want a heads up, that's a good place to get it. Yeah. And they can follow you on your link tree. 
all your links? Yeah, yeah. I got I added my uh blue sky. I've been posting a little more over there than Twitter these days, but still kind of cross posting. I saw I saw a, an image of uh somebody was like, is anybody else sick and tired of posting across like eight social media platforms? And it was uh Carmi from the Bear. And he's like, he's like whisking and yelling. <laughs> and, and it's and he's whisking up like six social media projects while like one burns in the background. <laughs> and it's like, it feels like that. It feels like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me at linktree.com slash Nick Bill. You can find all relevant links there. Uh, come join the discord, uh, hang out. We talk about comics all day and making comics. Um, you can also see what I'm picking up. Like I post all my pickups and stuff over there. So if you're interested in that, plus uh, I will be at, Asheville Beer City Comic Con at the end of September. Nice. So if you want to um, come see me in person, uh, I don't know. I, I guess. I, <laughs> great, Rico, great, great self promotion. Great self promotion. Rico yeah. and I, uh, Rico Renzi, another colorist, uh, 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 popularized for his work on Spider Gwen. Um, he is going to be on the on a panel with me talking about color. And Jason, let me just say. I'm going to say something about color that I haven't said in the thousands of hours of me talking about color on YouTube. <laughs> certainly, certainly I'll say something completely relevant and revolutionary. So you're not going to want to miss it is all I'm saying. Yeah, if you're sure in the area. Yeah. Well, it's because you've had the practice. So, you know, I've had the practice. You, right. you know, I've all, the all the bullshit out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the so. bullshit's out of the way. I'm ready yeah. to just let the bomb drop and I'm going to do it at this con. Come join me. Yeah, get there. Get your tickets. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening.